Hey there, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is Science Fiction with Salim Sutterwala and my buddy Carl Ames. Carl, how's it going? I'm great tonight. I got, you know, it's raining here in Chicago. I decided, uh, and anytime it's raining, I always wear my storm shirts. It's just, it, it just <laughs> it's just what I do. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, we, we got a bit of conflicting shirts on. We got the DC versus Marvel. We're going to be battling today, I guess. Let's go. Uh, I don't know. There's always it's, it's it, before we get on our show. It's funny always. There's a DC versus Marvel thing. I don't know why. Like we can't all just get along. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Marvel guy in general, but like I like DC. I like Flash, Batman. Um, I make fun of Superman sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't make fun of Superman? I guess uh, <laughs> all of the Marvel fans make fun of Superman, but uh, yeah, yeah. But no, it's always funny, like how how heated it gets it's like it's eh, there are a lot of story like characters and stuff are the same just i think slowly. that's why honestly <laughs> it's just storylines are different and i think the villains might be the only different in each world a little bit most for, yeah. for the most part Fair. yeah but anyways yeah we got a really good show today uh i think both of us finally saw venom too uh, that'll be a good topic to get into. Uh, just kind of talk about our thoughts on the movie and uh, kind of stuff that, like Easter eggs and stuff that I picked out that could connect to future movies uh, for the Spider-Verse in general, like the Sony Spider-Verse Spider-Man, and they're doing like these other, like Morbius and um, all these other, Craven, the Hunter movies as well, movie as well. And then mm-hmm. uh what if finally had their final episodes? All the episodes were out with Marvel MCU is doing that on Disney Plus, and we'll have a conversation about that as well. So to start off, uh, let's get into Venom Two. So that that was Venom Two. Let there be carnage. Uh, I went inside uh, by myself. I was just like, you know, it was a Monday. Uh, I had gone back from a trip. I was off on a Monday, so I was like, you know what, whatever. Let's just go watch this movie. Um, I was surprised how short it was. Yeah, so was like, it went by real fast. It was like only an hour and a half. I was I was double checking because when I went to the theater, um, I was like kept double checking. Like, is this right? Um, is this supposed to only be an hour and a half long? Because normally it's like they're usually like two hour, two and a half hours, like two and a half, two hours, fifteen fifteen minutes or something like that. It's rarely ever that short. Uh, so that that was one thing surprising to me. Uh, but I don't know how you felt about the movie. I thought this was better than the first one. Personally, um, I thought the script seemed better. The storyline seemed better. It was more like it wasn't like all over the place like the first movie was. Um, special effects was better. I think Andy Serkis, who uh, did the directed the movie, Andy again is uh, he was played like various characters, uh, Golem from Lord of the Rings. Um, he was he's an M- MCU. He's Ulysses. Uh, Claw from uh, not only from uh, Black Panther, but he was also in Age of Ultron. Um, you know, I, I think he did a good job directing the movie. Uh, I think the entertaining bits from the uh, first movie kind of jumbled out better in this one. Like I said, it was a lot more cleaner, a little more cleaner, I should say. I think the, like I said, the Maybe you know what made it better too. Maybe because it wasn't so long, so they weren't trying. They didn't. They didn't try to fit stuff in unnecessarily. I guess. 
like they had a clean storyline and they kind of just went with that what they had uh obviously we got more venoms in this version more venom in this version i should say uh like there's yeah. a lot more screen a time lot more venom yeah. uh, as opposed to last time um you know there's there's a lot of like humorous humorous interactions with him and eddie i thought i thought it was just like more superior and i, and I really like you know carnage is my one of my favorite all-time villains i just i just love how uh everything about like this this chaos obviously he's kind of like the joker in a sense if you will um probably a little more um I don't know if you say exactly like him, but probably a little more like chaotic uh, version of Joker. But yeah, you know, I, I thought. And then like the post credit scene, I was, sorry, I kind of got <laughs> my <laughs> thoughts kind of went away for a second. But no, I thought that and then the cherry on top was the post credit scene. So I thought, like I said, overall, I thought it was a better movie. And I thought like the post credits scene was really just, you know, made everything exciting, which we'll talk about later. Uh, what were your thoughts on the movie? Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely dive um, deep into a little bit more of the movie shortly, but um, overall, I, I feel like, um, well, it was just like Venom, the first Venom, where you go into it and then afterward, you're like, huh, that was better than I thought it was going to be. Because I don't think anyone other than rabid Venom fans were super hyped for Venom or this movie, even with Carnage in it. Um, Carnage is like a total big selling point because Carnage is awesome. I think everyone, like just everyone loves Venom, everyone loves Carnage. But for what it's worth, um, it's still a movie without Spider-Man. It's still a Venom movie right. without Spider-Man. So it's not like, right. at least for me and again, a lot of Spider-Man fans, you can only go so far with Venom uh, without Spider-Man. And then, right. like, he needs to, you know, since he wasn't introduced with Spider-Man in it, he still needs to have that hurdle where he can get to the Spider-Man part that we're all waiting for. And then once that happens, once he hurdles over that, then he's kind of open and free, can do whatever he wants. So we're kind of just, like, playing this game of waiting, this waiting game of, okay, we know what you're trying to do, Sony. We know what you want to do. Can you hurry up and get to that part? Uh, sort of feeling watching these movies. And um, that's why I don't really care. Like, I don't care for the first one nearly as much as this one. But this the second one wasn't so great that I'm worth praising it. And generally, if it's a movie um, that I feel like I don't want to purchase like digitally purchase uh, for digital at home or buy the Blu-ray or something like that. You know, I'll probably never watch it again, but you know, it's not so bad that I am like, this is a terrible movie or uh, you know, like I said, it's better than I thought it's, it's absolutely better than I thought it would be, but it is very much rushed uh, They're Again, they're trying to get to this point where venom and Spider-Man can finally be in the same movie and interact and 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 set that up. But it this to me, this movie, the Let There Be Carnage, is too watered down because of the first movie that has the same type of villain with the symbiotes. The right. symbiotes were the villain in the first movie. 
we have one symbiote in this movie and presumably uh getting a little bit ahead of ourselves once they do this venom spider-man movie which will not be venom 3 it won't be spider-man 4 it'll be a venom spider-man movie once that's over with the venom 3 movie what villain what villain are we gonna have another symbiote probably based off of this right. ending of this yeah. movie the, so it's kind of yeah it's kind of like wearing itself out um and that's why i think like the impact of carnage is is watered down because of we're just staying on this symbiote boat this symbiote villain like we need something else a little bit fresher than just venom fighting symbiotes all the time yeah i don't disagree with you there i i think the the problem with doing venom uh, before Spider-Man, because obviously, so the first issue with doing Venom uh, without Spider-Man is how did he become like his powers like that? Because there's a reason those powers exist, like the way his eye face looks, the fact that he can wall crawl and all these different things is because he was with Peter Parker first. The symbiote right. was with Peter Parker. And from that, he got all the diff same traits and stuff from uh, Peter Parker, or Sp a.k.a. Spider-Man. Um, obviously, they kind of skipped well ahead. So Venom, obviously, is a villain to start out. Uh, and he's one of Spider-Man's most uh, dangerous, probably the, the, the toughest villain he's ever faced is Venom. Um, and then, obviously, there's a background because not only Venom, but Eddie Brock, uh, who who uh, has a relationship with Peter Parker. Obviously, in the comic verse, there's various different storylines between him and P uh, Eddie Brock and Peter Parker. There's some that, some, some, I think, show like him being them being friends. Others are just showing being uh, rivals. The original story is them being rivals at mm -hmm. the Daily Bugle. Uh, there's a hatred that builds between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And then eventually, Eddie Brock also starts hating Spider-Man before he know before he even uh and that's obviously i should say that's how the symbiote is kind of attracted to eddie brock uh so this kind of skips ahead too much further into the future where he kind of becomes a um what do you call it an anti-hero mm -hmm. when he goes to san francisco because he's eddie brock and peter parker and spider-man and venom come to a terms term um that you know what we have an understanding. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, stay out of my way. I'll stay out of yours. I understand you also are, uh, in, in your own way, want to protect people, and I also want to protect the defenseless. So I understand that I'm gonna I'm gonna leave New York City in a sense, and that's why he goes to San Francisco, um, to to kind of do his own thing. But like, yeah, like you said, it it, it kind of glosses over that big chunk of. Of of the story a story that's important uh, to get to this spot to make him make him an, a, a, a likable like I mean likable in a sense like yeah you rooting for him to win and succeed because and when Venom is first introduced you're not rooting for Venom to win and succeed because if Venom Venom wins and succeeds that means Spider Man loses um, but eventually you get to that point and that's why he becomes an antihero because he's not really a good guy because he's still killing people like the bad he kills bad people but he's still killing wow. um so that that's why he kind of becomes like that anti-hero in a sense so yeah i agree with you in that regards it's kind of hard to sell a venom movie or any carnage movie or anything like that 
when Spider-Man is not involved. It's I, I get that aspect, but like I guess to me, I guess I I I understand that point and I kind of just ignore it because it's like, what else can you do? Because you can't really I, I for me, someone who's read the comics, who's who knows the story, I can't I can't fixate on that. I can't like I know that they're going a different direction. So I kind of just viewed the movie in the lens through just this movie, not any any background storylines and how did we get here? And I know what uh, happens, you know, years before he he while well, he's Venom already and then he eventually gets here as well. So I guess that's what I kind of looked at. And that's why I, I, I thought, like I said, I just thought this was clean, a little cleaner than the first one. Um, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't give it like five stars or anything like that. I think the first movie, I'll probably give like two stars. I give this like three stars. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean. I thought it was better and it was a little more enjoyable. And I think it helped that it was short. Well, well, we've been kind of dancing around it. So let's go ahead. We want to start talking about some spoiler stuff and some Easter eggs because of a lot of things are different in the comics versus what was in the movie. And then when I have problems with uh, the movie, it's not necessarily because of the differences. It's just, like I said, it's a, it's a really quick movie. They really pump this out really fast. And I, one of the things that um, I do quickly want to mention, um, it was about Shriek, the character Shriek, and that uh, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, she one uh is carnage's girlfriend in the movie so right. one of the things that uh they did they had the saint s's home for unwanted children and it was a little different it was just called the uh you know saint s's home for boys so that way we're introducing this character at that home so it's not just boys there it's just boys and girls so right. uh, they meet there and they become friends they bond they, you know whatever um but this Frances Barrison, she is a mutant in the comic books. They did use that word, right? They use the word mutant in the movie, right? Mutation. Yeah, mutation. mutation. Uh, so this is, I wouldn't say it's a, it's not technically, I guess, uh, a MCU movie, but it's still associated with the MCU uh, would be the best way to put it. So she has this mutant power, these sonic screams. Um whether or not she's going to be officially canonized as a mutant with the X gene and what all that stuff uh, in the MCU, that remains to be seen. Uh, but she is a mutant in the comic book. So this is kind of uh, interesting in the very least. I wouldn't say it's, it's important, but like worth noting um, that she is a mutant. But she uh, has these sonic screams. She's very deadly. She's uh, and I, I found it really interesting and it was actually one of the more frustrating things about the character is that she has these powers um, and they did mention it and it was like a certain plot point to her in a certain extent that, you know, Carnage and Venom, they are weak to sonic screams and fire. So like there, there was a scene in the movie where uh, they're in the car and the police are surrounding them and Carnage lifts the car up with his uh powers and stuff and, and she's trying to blast with the her own powers for the first time around carnage had no idea it was coming and then 
all of his uh, tendrils and stuff got weakened and he, you know, he's in pain and stuff. He almost kills her right then, then and there. And I thought that was like, that's a really interesting dynamic now because she can't use her powers around him for him to be effective. And then there's very little opportunity. I mean, she's pretty loud. She can't just be like five feet away and use it or turn the other way. Like mm -hmm. she can't use her powers at all. So if carnage gets overwhelmed, or do you, like you can take her out something like that like there's just a whole lot of different things you can do with that and i just felt her character was ultimately underutilized but that's part of uh, being a victim of a very short movie they went through this stuff really fast and uh like that's why i wish characters like a carnage who is beloved by many could be fleshed out more and not be a one and done and that's uh, you know with shriek as well just like she may not be as well beloved or well known but in the very least we have a mutants one and two uh this interesting dynamic is now you know just for this movie right right and i i, I don't like i said i don't disagree i get like the the rushing of the characters is because they're so important and obviously with Cletus cassidy um, again, when we talk about how much they had to change with the character because of um, as far as like his origin story and everything like that is concerned and how he comes in contact with the uh, symbiote is th there's a lot as far as that is concerned. So obviously um, in, in, in the comics, so we'll, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit where how his origin story is similar and different from the comics is uh, you see in in the comics, there's there's an institute called Ravencroft Institute, and they show Ravencroft in this uh, movie as well. But the place where Carnage first meets Shriek, that's where he meets her at, at Ravencroft. Um, and although, and like I said, like we talked about in Venom 2, they have their own spin as far as the story making it place where he rescues her from like he rescues uh sorry i should say carnage rescues shriek from ravencroft and that's how they kind of uh you know become one and they kind of meet each other i think in, in the comic they show the symbiote having a connection to shriek as well as opposed to just Cletus. uh because in the movie, it's just Cletus Cassidy who does, and the symbiote does not care about right, her in yeah. any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and, and obviously, um, that that dynamic is why, like, Shriek is almost kind of like a throwaway character. That's what she kind of becomes. It's she she defines Cletus Cassidy, but then eventually, once you know her and Cletus are reunited again, it kind of becomes a point where. Cletus and the symbiote are not that connected as they should be because in the you know that's a big part of how Carnage and and Cletus they're just so connected to each other in every way like there's not really a like you know uh, a point where they're like very much uh, there's no difference in, in in them so that kind of that that I guess you can criticize a little bit and 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 think that okay well that that makes Carnage weak weaker than he should be yeah absolutely i mean even even then like uh one of the again one of the reasons why i don't 
feel Carnage's impact was so strong in this movie is because we've already seen not just a symbiote in the last movie, but a very Carnage-like symbiote with Riot was the name of the the you know the, the right. big villain, but had the same sights, arms, and shootings, all the basic abilities that Carnage has. Riot did. We already seen that stuff in the last movie. It was just a different color symbiote. So we're kind of seeing it again, but just it's Carnage this time. And now, yeah, it looks like Carnage. It's red. It's got the black eyes, the white on there, uh, the big teeth, and it's really, you know, killing people and all that stuff. But we kind of already got a watered down version of it. So seeing it again, it takes away from how vicious Carnage is. If we had some other kind of villain that was maybe more. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a huge Venom fan to know what type of villains he would have um, in, in outside of symbiotes, but there could have been something else or someone else um, that wasn't symbiote related so that we can see a, our first symbiote versus symbiote action being in this movie. Then it would have been a lot better. Right, right. Definitely. Um, I agree with you as far as those topics are con- those con- I get criticisms are concerned. Um, I think let's move on a little bit here and let's talk about because I think there was a lot of points and uh, things that happen in this movie that I think can connect into MCU and other movies going forward. And I thought it's really worth kind of talking about. So one of them again being the Daily Bugle. Now that is originally where. In the comics, that's obviously when Peter Parker and Eddie Brock first meet. And the in the movie references that in the first movie it references that Eddie worked at the Daily Globe in the past. But in Venom 2, they finally show that he's now working for the Daily Bugle. And the logo they use is interesting because that's the same one they used in the Sam, Sam uh, Raimi Spider-Man uh, movie. So that kind of interestingly connects, obviously, because we know MCU is doing a with uh, Far From uh, No Way Home. They're probably bringing back Tobey Maguire, which we pretty much we're pretty confident they're bringing back Kobe, Tobey Maguire, and um, obviously we know Octopus, uh, Alfred Molina is in there. Um, so that kind of you know connection is there set up there. Um, so that, that in that regard, that's there. Uh... I do wonder about that though, because um, yes, like the logo is like again, like you said, Sam Raimi's uh, trilogy of movies at Spider Man, but at the same time, it's they like the uh, like said um, Andy Circus and I believe um, Tom. What's his name? I think not remember Colin? his name. No, no, uh, it's playing Venom. Oh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. There you go. See, they have so many names, so many Chris's and Tom's. Uh, <laughs> Tom Hardy. Uh, I'm pretty sure they both have confirmed that Eddie Brock and Venom, prior to this movie, never heard of or seen Spider-Man before. So, like, it's not that he's existing in that universe whatsoever. Um, so that kind of puts, puts the kibosh on it being in the Sam Raimi universe, because unless it takes place before Spider-Man does, which I don't believe, you know, the original 
Spider-Man from Sam Raimi and all those. If it takes place before then, then perhaps, but I don't think so. Um, again, those happened in like 2001, to, you know, and so on. And we're in 2021 now. It's hard to, unless they specifically say this movie takes place in 2000 or something like that. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's in the same universe, but it is using the same logo. And then the upcoming Morbius movie has that logo as well. But that does have a picture of Spider-Man in it. And and that's in the Morbius trailer. So what's really happening? I really, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think that's as relevant that it's like such a lot, like that movie was in the early 2000s and this movie is, you know, 2021, I think it's more so connecting it because um, you see that, I think they're just dropping the Easter eggs because they're slowly getting to that because I think it's important as far as what happens later, obviously in the in the post credit scene is concerned. Um, you get into, um, let, let's talk about, let's skip it to that. I think, cause that's, I think that's the most relevant part of it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, when, when, when in the post-credits scene, Venom is sitting there, Venom and, and Eddie Brock are sitting, laying in a bed and he talks about how there's so much Eddie doesn't know and that mm -hmm. there's like a symbiote hive mind of knowledge that over the years and years, uh, you know, of, and all the different universes and everything that the symbiotes uh, pick up from each other. And they know all this knowledge and things like that. And then you see a, uh, there seems to be like a flash, uh, possibly from the one that when Dr. Strange is doing his spell in uh, No Way Home. And, you know, that scene where he's trying to help Peter forget, everyone forget who Peter Parker is. And then you see the yellow flash come through. So it might be that same uh, flash that we see in this post credit scene uh, that kind of suggests that Eddie and Venom have been transported to the MCU timeline as, res mm -hmm. as a result of that multiverse. Um, so I, I, and I'm also wondering because of that, will Venom somehow make an appearance in No Way Home? I wonder if that somehow he's going to like, they're going to add him into it now, or if that was always the plan. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that end of the scene that they went through? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess we've all been kind of curious and, and who was going to be the one that was going to make the transition. If it was going to be Spider-Man jumping out of the MCU to go to the Venomverse, or if it was going to be Venom jumping out of the Venomverse and going to the MCU. So right now we kind of have that confirmation that it's Venom going to make that jump. So uh, whether or not that's going to happen with other um, Spider-Man villains, like again, like Morbius, is Morbius going to make this jump or Spider-Man going to make the jump? to Morbius. Are they ever going to meet? Are they going to fight? Uh, and all the rest of the movies that Sony plans on making, like, again, the, the rumored Sinister Six movie, like, are we going to do the same thing and jump them all over to uh, the MCU just for the Sinister Six? Or is Spider-Man just going to have his Spider-Man movies and no one else shows up and they're not going to make any other references to the Avengers, etc. Because you would think if they're going to do uh, Sinister Six, they would need to 
at least mention why no one else is helping Spider-Man fight six villains at the same time uh, sort of thing. You can't because he's in another universe or something like that would make sense at that point. But, uh, you know, getting, getting back to it. Um, yeah, it, it definitely looks like Dr. Strange possibly is the reason why Venom made that jump. Um, but you know, it, it's hard to say because there isn't a whole lot to go off of other than the, the daily bugle, J Jonah Jameson, a uh, little video feed there. And that's a, about it but we know something happened and well the other thing too is he uh venom recognizes peter parker he's like that guy like he well, once he, once he recognized him no more he, like of... he knows him like he knows him like something about him that he doesn't like or is some familiarity with him and he's like that guy I don't, know, I don't know. I didn't take it that way. I took it more of because of Jameson reading that news bulletin saying, because I mean, when he said it, it was like killed Mysterio, all of this stuff, you know, Venom wants justice, lethal protector. He wants to, mm. and he's like, hey, let's get that guy. Let's go go after him because he seems like a bad person. That's why I think like he is like, it's just more of Venom is excited to, you know, who is that one? I want to get that one, you know, as opposed to um, knowing exactly what's going on. I, I don't know. I mean, it could be either way, but uh, certainly I th in, in my impression was uh, he's just more like interested, like after listening to that broadcast and then seeing that picture, I'm like, okay, that's our next target. It seems, no, but because it seems like they're kind of disoriented when the flash happens. Sure. So I, yeah. They're not paying attention to what, like the, the words of, what's going on they just see the picture and then I'll, that's what attracts him to the picture and he's like um you know venom is kind of like you know that guy it's kind of I, I i know something about him or i'm not sure i don't know yeah, i thought that was to say. interesting yeah. um other thing i wanted to kind of uh connect in in here i know we, we mentioned not to not to go backwards in our conversation but um you didn't mention uh the possibility of another symbiote coming uh, eventually mm -hmm. and we don't know when that will be maybe that'll be probably uh, next year <laughs> knowing sony maybe, <laughs> maybe next year i i think you know it'll be it'll be interesting it'll be a little i bit, know yeah. So, like the times that Peter Parker, or in, so in the comic, the times that uh, Spider-Man and Carnage normally team up is because when Carnage is involved, uh, and mm -hmm. they they team up together to fight Carnage. Um, and in, in the movie, they they show obviously uh, another you know snippet of like the symbiote going into one of the characters uh in this movie the detec detective that they have in here um again we saw a picture of him earlier with holding the newspaper he's a major part of the movie but mm -hmm. it, it goes the symbiote goes into him and obviously what it you see them call each other like once you know since since carnage came from venom venom carnage calls him father and you know father son and then, and then the next one that comes from Carnage is called Toxin. So Toxin is Carnage's son, if you will. So they they seem to be hinting. So it's obviously Toxin's going to come eventually. Um, 
I don't know when, like I said, and maybe that's what will connect. Well, will Spidey and and Venom team up to fight Toxin eventually? That's what I'm wondering as well. Yeah, definitely something that they can do. I I honestly like. Like you said, uh, Spider-Man and Venom normally would team up to fight. Like, it's Maximum Carnage's name of that storyline. Spider-Man and, and Venom team up to take down Carnage and all of the other uh, symbiotes that are in that story. But if we got that as the Spider-Man Venom movie, I would be a little disappointed. Because I think most people would rather see Spider-Man versus Venom as opposed to them like having a five minute fight and then, Oh no, there's a bigger threat. Like we need to like Spider-Man first needs to have an understanding of what a symbiote is and how big of a threat they are versus venom, his main symbiote threat. And then a later time toxin. So I, I would, I would rather see toxin be a venom three venom villain villain venom three villain as opposed to the villain of the team up movie yeah that's fair too and i i don't know if i meant like more so that that would be the next movie that they would do where peter uh spider-man and venom are involved it's meant yeah. back down the line like the next yeah. movie could be uh venom versus spider-man and then they bring in toxin after the fact so yeah, it's interesting. Um, like I said, I again as to wrap up this portion of, of the show. Uh, again, Venom to me, I thought Venom two was I thought it was better than the first one. I thought it was a little cleaner, and despite ignoring, like I said, for me ignoring the the fact that you you can't have Spider Man in here, um, I thought they did better storyline i like like i said i like another thing i'll say i like about the movies is i like the the little you know relationship they show with eddie and and venom like i like that you know yeah kind of have that uh banter and that little um you know the the little idiosyncrasies that they have within each other yeah that was enjoyable it was fun um i don't know why i was trying to figure out a way to make a joke about it but while i was watching all of that silly venom stuff i was like this movie is a movie for intellectuals and i don't know where my head was going with that but i just felt like i needed to mention it um <laughs> it, i don't know it was just uh it was it was a fun enough movie but it was like i said um just shorter and the experiences that should matter a little bit more when you have such fanfare for a character like Carnage. Because, again, spoiler alert, he doesn't make it out of this movie, so um, neither does Shriek. So they, they are, for what it's worth, done, uh, unless they try to whip up some magic somehow and bring them back in the future, we are most likely are not uh, going to see them again. Yeah, All right. that's true. So, yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to spend the last part of the show talking about What If, which uh, just finished airing all, was it nine episodes, eight episodes, nine? Yeah, uh, the last one was last week. And uh, overall, uh, just in case maybe you haven't watched it, because I know it's not necessarily high on everyone's watch list because it's animated. So 
the first question is, what is the show and why is everyone making such a big deal about it? Uh, so what is what if? What if is first based off a of comic book, a series of comic books that's been going on for decades on and off, uh, just called what if, and then this like here on this particular issue, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? And you see Spider-Man, he has a five, everyone has a five, but it's not the Fantastic Four, it's the Fantastic Five. That doesn't make sense because it's not canon. It, these are stories that are just meant to be for fun, where some writers would just explore small changes or big changes uh, in characters and just have fun with it or just do something to show this is what could happen if one little thing was changed. If this person got these powers, if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four and they became the Fantastic Five, if Galactus successfully destroyed uh, Earth and ate Earth or et cetera, et cetera, like just because you know, Marvel has Marvel Universe, the comic books, they have their own storylines and this one beaten path and then just another path. So uh, just like if you remember watching in the uh, the Loki series, they have the sacred timeline and that's a big thick vein of a timeline. And then they have the small little branches. Those are the, the nexus points. And this is, is important for them to have done that first because it shows these are branching off timelines and this is the main timeline. So this what if series are pretty much every episode is happening on each of these branching timelines where eventually they're going to get caught off, I guess, by the TVA or they just continue on and they just don't mess with the sacred timeline, but they're not a part of the sacred timeline, but they are happening within the MCU. If that makes sense. So, there's a small chance that we can see some of these characters in live action as part of the sacred timeline in the future. Cause they, they have discussed that. Um, so we could see a live action version of some of these characters, but for the most part, they're just for fun. Um, and then we're exploring these possibilities for more fun. We also see like Watu the watcher. Um, all of these stories aren't necessarily, um, happy endings too, especially in the comics. So what if comics aren't always um, happy endings? Sometimes they're really dark and we have dark episodes just like that as well. Like the uh, Dr. Strange episode, the, um, the one episode with uh, yellow jacket and all the Avengers were killed, stuff like that. They're not always upbeat and positive like the Marvel universe where something bad happens, but the good guys always win. Sometimes the bad guys win. Sometimes something bad happens, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I think so. My thoughts on what if is basically MCU again, just um, hinting or not hinting, but getting more into the multiverse because mm -hmm. that's what obviously phase uh, four and five is heavily going to be. You know, that's how they're going to get uh, not only X Men, Fantastic Four, all these different uh, things that they got from. Like from Fox, and and not only from um, uh, I should say yeah, uh, Fox uh, or twenty was it also uh, Universal Studios? I can't remember. No, uh, no, no, just uh, okay, 20th so just, Century Fox. Yep. Just 20th Century Fox. So try to incorporate those characters into MCU 
And I think that's where a lot of the multiverse stuff comes from. Um, I know we have our like favorite episodes for the for the show that you know we've gone through. For me, I'll start out. Uh, my favorite episode were the one with Doctor Strange using the Eye of Agamotto uh, to change the past. And I, I think I, I do wonder if this like it kind of makes me wonder like as far as you know the things that he's going to be Doctor Strange potentially could be doing in future Marvel movies, um, especially in, like I said, again, Spider-Man No Way Home, when he does the spell to make everyone forget Spider-Man is uh, Peter Parker. And I, I actually thought about that. Like, what if, because it's odd that, it, so in the comic, there's no way, like, you know, Doctor Strange would do a spell like that. Like, he wouldn't mess with, um reality like that he would never say yeah i agree let's let's change let's do a spell to help peter everyone forget peter parker as spider-man mm-hmm. uh, like he wouldn't mess with that and like you see wong saying don't mess with that spell as he's about to leave right um like he, he wouldn't wong wouldn't have to say that to dr strange so i kind of wonder if that's not really dr strange like what if that's like the evil dr strange like somehow taking over in this reality the uh, one from the what if? Yeah, You're talking about that one. That, that one. <laughs> that would that, be fun, but I don't think. No, that'd be fun. That or I wonder if is because a guy, a character that we haven't heard from in a while, uh, Baron Mordo. Um. Okay. He he has he has I because when when we last see Baron Mordo, he's gone back to that one uh, guy that cured his um spine and mm-hmm. takes his magic back. Um, I wonder, and, and, and in the comics, Baron Mordo, uh, he's he's known for trying to get Dormammu into our reality, kind of. That's one of his, like, goals in the comics, um, uh, uh, amongst other things that he wants to do. But one of them is Dormammu uh, getting him back into this reality. And if he, if he's, uh, if Baron Mordo is able to somehow screw up all the multiverses, Maybe he can release Dormammu from that, you know, time thing that Doctor Strange has put him into. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wonder that too, because okay, so again, in, in the comics, the person that actually does that spell to make everyone forget Peter Parker's Spider Man is this character called Mephisto. That would seem kind of random to ha- throw in someone that's never been mentioned into the storyline i guess that has no connection to anything yet right so i'm uh, just, yes I'm just, I'm no. just <laughs> i don't know i'm just kind of thinking like i just like i guess my whole point of the that part is i just ha- find it hard to believe that dr strange stephen strange would do that spell on his own it's not actually him and i'm wondering like i'm wondering if this somehow what if is setting that up to hint at something like that that definitely, I mean, that's an interesting theory, and I, I like the idea for sure. Uh, because <laughs> Baron Mordo is for sure going to be in this Doctor Strange movie, so we will see him. Uh, but we haven't seen like anything of him in the trailers or anything like that, so maybe he could be impersonating Doctor Strange and uh, maybe he has him in, held in captivity. Maybe he is the like the big bad of the movie because we don't even know who the big bad of the of, of Doctor Strange movie is. So it could very well be 
Doctor Strange got locked up in, in chains or whatever, and Baron Mordo's impersonating him, and he's using that as a way to get Dormammu out. That sounds great. I like it. Sign me up for it. But <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, it's just speculation for now. Uh, getting back to what if, though, uh, as far as my personal favorite episode of all of them was actually the Marvel Zombies episode because, um, one, the zombies, it just kind of comes out of left field for anyone that doesn't know anything about um, Marvel Zombies. They have zombies, so they have official zombies. Um, they do come from all over the place, some different universes. Sometimes they've had uh, run-ins with the main Marvel universe, but for the mo most part, they are like just classic zombies, but all your favorite superheroes. So they have superpowers too. Iron Man is a zombie within uh, Iron Man suit, and there's a zombie Hulk, a zombie Deadpool, a zombie uh, Silver Surfer. They even uh, took on Galactus and turned him into a zombie. So there's a zombie Galactus just going around uh, zombifying on whole universes because he's Galactus. But uh, to the sh episodes, they're zombies. They're still zombies. And, and this is still the MCU where everything's PG-13. And um, we will most likely never see that in a live action because, I mean, guess what they do? They they're zombies. What do you do? How do you kill a zombie? You shoot them in the head. Heads explode, brains and stuff, chunks and blood everywhere. And they didn't pull any of that. I mean, it wasn't as gruesome as a rated R movie or show would be, but they still shot people, zombies in the head and they were still eating brains and stuff like that. And I thought that was just really fun to see that. And then you get to see your favorite characters all zombified. Um, just seeing a whole episode of that was just really cool and um, just appreciating them going for that. I wouldn't say a deep cut, but it was just really, really awesome. Just seeing, having all of that round, like, great. We got zombies. Now they are canonized. We're going to possibly see them again. And we do see them again at the end of the, uh, the end of the series too. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, I also, in, ge in general, as far as the characters go, I really loved uh, probably Captain Carter the most um very first episode and she is real quick she's based on a lot of different things that's one reason why i really like her captain uh peggy carter as captain britain uh this is not the first time this character has been around but it's kind of more of an official way because there was i believe marvel puzzle quest might be the actual first place that's a uh phone game a mobile game where she first popped up and she's just like an alternate skin just to have fun but i think people really took to it and then this kind of like windpool where there's a lot of fan art and fan art really just drove and the fan talk drove the the love for the character as they decided to try it again over and over and so she actually did make a debut in the comic books called exiles um we don't want to get too much into that but you can actually uh make a parallel between the exiles comic book and this guardians of the multiverse team that's in this what if uh series because they kind of do the same thing they go from the exiles go from universe and reality to reality solving problems uh, just like 
they did here trying to save the multiverse uh, with the guardians of the the multiverse so there, there there's kind of things there and then uh we've got captain carter not captain britain but captain carter and this what if so i thought she was really cool and uh, we are definitely going to see her again too so we have the ending of the series where she finds uh, the hydra stomper with Black Widow and uh, Steve's in the inside. So it is believed that we're going to see more of that uh, next season, which is a confirmed that we are going to have a season two of what if. Yeah. I, I, I thought the overall show was really good. Like it was enjoyable. It was interesting seeing the different, you know, like storylines, what ifs it could be. Obviously when you see like T'Challa, um accident like you know being abducted by accident instead of uh peter quill mm -hmm. and he becomes the star he becomes star lord um going uh you know and and obviously it has become his storyline is a little different he doesn't actually like um you know run away from anyone or anything like that he just kind of you know in that doing his thing uh, that was interesting. Uh, other other one I really like that they brought in the Watcher. Uh, obviously, he's the narrator and he's the, doing the whole uh, show as far as uh, talking about the different uh, universes, the multiverses. Um, and then in the end, they have like the the final two episodes where they do like where he kind of breaks the oath of I'm not going to get involved. But then he gets involved because obviously Ultron has gotten too powerful and he's going to destroy all the universes. Um, and in order to stop him, obviously, he gets all these different characters um, to to come together. Like he uh, in he gets obviously Captain Carter, he gets uh, T'Challa, he gets um, I think Black Widow, I believe. Kind of, uh, kind of. Didn't sure recruit her. Yeah. No, he didn't recruit her. He, uh, so Gamora, he gets Gamora. He also gets um, so Eric Killmonger isn't back in here. Mm -hmm. uh, so he gets him to it's a different timeline, like where Eric Killmonger saves Tony Stark, and then obviously from all that, so he gets him in that at uh, into that as well. And then um, what what that made me kind of think of is I wonder because I know there was a, th a rumor that eventually down the line i don't know if it's gonna be end of phase four or but the next avengers movie is supposed to be like a secret wars so i wonder if that's kind of setting it up like he, there's going to be a point where all the superheroes like uh a like a, a, but in the secret wars obviously is a, a character called the beyonder that does this uh but in the same obviously mcu does their own thing where who does what but I, I would wonder in, in in the future if something similar like this would happen again where you kind of get, you know, superheroes and then they pick a bunch of villains too and then they fight each other somehow um, for an ultimate goal of something or another. And uh, before we, because you know, we got to wrap up a little bit, I do want to make sure we mention one thing about... Um, we're going to talk about the finale as well as, uh, you know, just like I said, we're talking about Secret Wars and stuff. But one of the things that popped up was we got all these episodes. We got the T'Challa Star-Lord episode. We got the Marvel Zombies, Doctor Strange. Uh, we did Avengers Get Killed by uh, Hank Pym and so on. All these characters that ended up on the final team. 
but we got Gamora on that final team too, but we never saw an episode that had Gamora in it, uh, which was kind of blindsided pretty much everyone. We just like see, want to just get Gamora like, Oh, what? So what happened is um, there was a plan to have an episode with Gamora and uh, this Iron Man, this Iron Man that you see here, uh, with this Hulkbuster armor that's inspired by some of the Sakar, uh, Sakarian, I should say, designs. Uh, that was supposed to be a full-on episode, but it looks like it could have been like some restrictions, like with COVID. They just didn't have time to do the final effects for it to get it fully voiced or whatever it is. But they just had reason to not be able to have it a finished full episode and be a part of this season, season one of what if, so they had to cut it all together. However, they still finished the finale and still had Gamora in the finale. So uh, what is most likely going to happen is that they're going to include this Gamora Iron Man episode in season two. Um, They're going to try to, it's just whether or not, um, how they're going to explain why it's a part of season two and not part of season one. Uh, if it's going to be more relevant to season two, or if they're going to change the plot whatsoever for that episode, which uh, I can say, you know, confirmed from the directors and the writers from, from what if that that episode was supposed to be um, kind of inspired by Thor Ragnarok, where basically Iron Man is the Hulk, part of the Thor Ragnarok and Gomorra is the Thor part of Thor Ragnarok and they're on Scar. So it's not the entire movie, but they are on Scar. They do fight each other. And that's where Iron Man has the big Hulkbuster armor. And uh, they're supposed to eventually get to the part of Thor Ragnarok where they uh, fight, uh, well not fight, but meet up with Thanos. So that's where they do fight Thanos. Um, and then Gamora defeats Thanos and takes his armor. So that's why she's wearing Thanos's armor. And then also the contraption that she has, it's supposed to atomize the infinity stones was supposedly invented and created by Tony Stark. So uh, that's why she has it, but it only works in her universe. Some continuity issues with that uh, uh, real quick like that's not supposed to happen um a lot of things that actually were supposed to happen um especially with the infinity stones because they're not supposed to work in some other realities but they did in this show so they're kind of like you know it's 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 worth suspending your beliefs a little bit just because you just be a little bit more loose with them with with this show but technically the infinity stones are not supposed to work uh, so the vision Ultron, you know, he can get the stones in his reality, but if, once he hops to a different reality, those are supposed to be just some colorful rocks. So he right. shouldn't have the ability to beat Thanos and neither should Thanos have the ability to do what he did. Uh, although, I mean, if, if for what it's worth, he could beat Thanos because both of them would have affinity stones that wouldn't work. So he could have still done, did what he did. Um, cause that was just an energy beam, you know? And Thanos isn't invulnerable. I mean, tough, but you can still kill him. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do in season two and how they, uh, what else they add. Because, like I said, I, I don't think these are just random episodes that for fun that they're doing. MCU always has a reason for what they, everything that they do. They have 
rhyme or reason behind it and it all ties together into um a lot of times between especially between movies um and they have these little you know like like i said what if they're doing and all the different shows with loki and wanda vision and everything like that they 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 do them for a reason because they set up something larger down the line so that'll be interesting to see how where they go with that and how why they did what if um and you know in the future when we watch a movie like hey i remember that so that's why they did this exactly so we'll we'll have we'll have a clearer picture and mcu is uh, always great with, with setting that kind of stuff up but yeah that's a wrap for today's episode uh, thank you again for tuning in to Science Fiction. My name is Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm with my friend and co-host uh, Carl Eames. You can follow us again, him at Ninja Turtles, and follow me at Science Fiction. Uh, until next time, Science Fiction fans. All right, see you guys.